Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of Believe in South Carolina is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now, time for Believe in South Carolina. Michigan at the 41. What a hit! Ball's free! On the ground! South Carolina deserves to have it, and they do! Welcome into another edition of Believe in South Carolina. As always, Nick Close joins us, and Gamecock legendary running back Marcus Lattimore. Marcus, Nick, how are you guys doing today? Doing good. Doing well, doing well. Big one this weekend. Big one. It is a it is a big one. It is a big one. And, you know, that we know of, Tennessee didn't send any female employees to a playoff game last year to recruit any South Carolina high school players again that we know of, allegedly. Uh, for those of you that have heard Marcus's story from his Burns days, you'll understand that one. But um, – Look, bottom line is there's, this. St- there's still a chance. Friday's not here yet. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Um, look, the bottom line is this. We know where South Carolina is right now, right? They're six and four coming off a very disappointing loss last week against Florida. And when you look at the schedule with Tennessee this week and then Clemson on the other side, obviously it doesn't get any easier. I mentioned it last night on GC Live Talking Tuesday nights that I don't have an issue talking about the offense, but I think we've got to a point now where if people want to say, okay, fire this guy, do that, it's not going to happen until the end of the regular season at the earliest. Okay. So if people want to waste their time doing that, that's fine. I think the better question during this time period is what the hell can they do differently? What can they do differently, right? If, if the OC is going to be here, the OC is going to be here. But what can, they, what can they do differently? And, again, talking about the matchup this week against Tennessee, 21-point underdogs, not a lot of people are going to give you a chance anyway. So what the hell do you have to lose by doing something different? And if you do something different, what should that look like? The first thing that comes to mind for me, Mike, when, when I just think about the the whole, the, the it, it's it's how can we keep the team morale up to a up to a level where they're competing every play? Like that's the question that the coaching staff has to be asking themselves. How do we keep that team morale up? Because at this point, I mean. Our offensive line is really, really struggling. And as we all know on this call, I mean, the game is won at the line of scrimmage. I mean, as much as we try to 
strategize and uh, pick out certain players, certain skill players that are playing well or, or, or vice versa, they're not playing well. It, it goes down. It goes back to the to to the simplest explanation of why any team is successful. I mean, it's just it's the line of scrimmage, man. We just we we're really just getting pushed around, and we got to find a way to keep that team morale up and put our offensive line in a situation where they can be successful. What that looks like, man, I'm I'm glad I'm not the offensive coordinator right now. Yeah, I mean, it's college football. The highs are high and the lows are just so, so low because, I mean, you look back to when South Carolina beat Kentucky and then they beat Texas A&M and and we were like, oh, they could, they have winnable games against Missouri and Vandy and possibly Florida. So you're you're really looking positive, um, and then you know you lose you you lose to Florida in a really bad game, and it's a lot of negativity, and it's a and you that I agree with Marcus of keeping that morale up. How are you going to make sure to do that? Because this, in my opinion, they've reverted back to what they did last season, where they couldn't string two good games together. For the life of them, it would be one bad, one really good, right back at one bad. And honestly, I'd say to look on the optimistic side of things, well, you got two games left and you just played a really bad one. So that means one of these two last games is going to be good. And it's Tennessee and Clemson. So of all the weeks to have a good game, let's do it at home against Tennessee. So I'm liking the I'm liking the odds there, but it they they're doing what they did last year. You can't you got to have good games back to back. You got to be able to build on momentum, and um, you know it just you just saw them come out so flat, and it's it's just been the same thing every week. So I mean, obviously the O line needs to tighten up. I not having Marshawn Lloyd, I think, has hurt us really bad. I mean, we didn't even have Beal Smith. Like I mean, Juju McDowell is a good running back, but. Those that hurts that hurts us. So, um, you know, some things I have to change, but I like the look of it. Two games left. You just had a really bad one. See if we can get a good one in the last two. I'm gonna mention this because Nick and Marcus already know, but I'm getting ready for Mr. Personality Bill Belichick to speak in a little bit. So I'm gonna be dipping off the line in a little, and these two will finish up the show. So if I go MIA, that's what happened. I didn't get kidnapped, but. Marcus, and I'm, I'm trying to remember if, if it crossed over, if you had an opportunity to play with Garrett Anderson, former Gamecock offensive lineman. He was on our Mix in the Water podcast earlier in the week. And I know, I know was, him very well, Mike. I just we, – we didn't cross it. We crossed it. We, okay. We called each other for just like missed a year, year apart. That's what, I, that's what I thought. Just wanted to make sure, though, because I bring that up because I know both of you guys had the opportunity to play for Spurrier. And one thing that he brought up, which I thought was interesting, is we're talking about, you know, what do you have to lose this week? Do something different. And one thing that he mentioned is letting the players call the plays. Now, I think as soon as people hear that, they think it's kind of like, okay, you know, it's backyard football. They're drawing plays in the dirt. No. What he means is kind of like with what Marshawn Lloyd said a couple weeks ago when he told Satterfield, hey, look, 
there's certain things out there from a matchup standpoint. Let's run the ball a little bit more. I bring that up because when you played for Spurrier, were there ever moments where it was you'd come off the sideline, whether it be you, whether it be Alshon, Tory Gurley, whoever, and you guys saw certain things. You relayed that back. Um, I don't know if was it Mangus who was the, the OC at the time, whether it be Mangus, whether it be um, Spurrier himself. And you guys had some freedom, if you will, about calling some plays. If that was the case, how does that process kind of go? And do you feel like this is the perfect time to roll the dice and do that against Tennessee? I think that's the good sign of a coach, uh, one that is able to receive information from his players and, 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 and like process that information and take it and see, okay, what what formation can I put them in to be able to call a play? You know, but you know, yeah, I think that's a good sign of a of an offensive coordinator of a head coach. We had a nice we had a nice trio of coaches that collaborated together calling plays. Uh, G.A. Mangus, obviously, being the offensive coordinator, but I mean, Coach Spurrier was heavily involved in that. Coach Spurrier Jr. Uh, was was looking at the back end, you know, and seeing what coverages we're in, what 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 would be good. Sean Elliott, I mean, golly, I mean, our run game was based off of off of his principles. Uh, so they had a nice relationship, and we had a good feel of the offense. And there were situations where, you know, and, and as a player, you have to separate your emotions from what you're actually seeing, like having a clear view of what you're seeing versus your emotions of I want the ball. Because, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, everybody, everybody's going to come off the sideline and say I was wide open or run this play here when your emotions are heightened. But there were there were many situations where teams were giving us the same look. Like they were giving us the same front. They were doing the same stunts on the defensive line, or they were playing the same coverage. And Alshon would absolutely go to the sideline because he knew the offense very well and say, hey, yeah, let, let, let's run, let's run a Mills, which is just like a deep post right here. Mm -hmm. Or Demir Bird coming off to the sideline saying, yeah, let's, <laughs> I mean, let, let's, let, let's utilize my speed right here. Um, yeah, there, I mean, and there were plenty of situations where you know, one in particular was the Navy game. It was uh, we just ran a toss to the left, and it, it, time the the clock was running out, and I kind of signaled over uh, the best look, like like the, the I guess the best option for what they were what they were showing us on the front front on the defensive front, so. Um, man, there were plenty of situations, but I mean, golly, that takes so much time. That that takes confidence. That takes confidence in your players, confidence. Everybody's on the same page. Um, and I mean, a little bit of momentum kind of carries that, kind of carries that decision as well. But, I, you know, players making the decisions when things aren't going as well, I mean, I could see the benefit in it. You know, just a, a, a mix-up, you know, maybe go at a different pace than we're usually going. Um, 
if the offensive coordinator is comfortable with that, you know? So, I mean, it, it's just – it's a whole dance between players, head coach, offensive coordinator. But, I, I mean, not just leaving them out there and just giving giving them the whole playbook, giving them some set formations and some different options that they have. Um, I think I think that that could be beneficial, no, particularly this week. You know, when you I mean, you just you want to be in a lot of high percentage situations against this team. And golly, they can just score so quick that we got to I mean, we just we got to keep the ball. We got to keep the ball away. I mean. He's a high, I mean, Hooker, in my opinion, is, is he, he should be hoisting that trophy at the end of at the beginning of December. I mean, mm-hmm. so I mean, certainly be in the mix. They'll be in the They'll talk, be in the mix yeah. for sure. But there's a kid named Drake May too. Ah, <laughs> That's Drake going May. crazy. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, obviously, didn't play SEC football, so I can't talk too much on the player side of that. But I would see how giving the whole, you know, the players just a playbook and saying, "Yeah, go out and call some plays," probably wouldn't be the best idea. Um, but at the same time. I sure hope they're taking in the players, you know, what they're seeing on the field. They're the guy. They're in the action. They're on the field. They see things that you're not going to see as a coach. Even though we got coaches up top, we got coaches on sideline, you know, they're going to see things in a different way. They're up close and personal. They're the ones getting hit. They're the ones on the ground. So I sure hope that Satterfield is taking those things into consideration. I'm sure he is. Um, maybe we need to open that up a little more, like, you know, Marcus was kind of saying, and just really allow them to to really have an influence in it. I'm not going to lie. I mean, the offense has been just frustrating to watch. It's been hard to watch. So um, I'll take any change at this point. I, I it's, it's the last couple weeks. We kind of know after this season, Satterfield will most likely not be with the Gamecocks anymore, but who knows? He could be. Um, so, you know, just I want just some improvement. Also, Tennessee got up by a lot early last year, and they weren't a college football playoff team. So that was also in Neyland. So who knows? Maybe the home home in uh, Willie B will help out. I feel like we've mentioned this multiple times throughout the season, simplify the playbooks and fun playbook. I can't help but think back to what Jeff Saturday said after coaching the Colts this weekend. And one thing that he mentioned was how they had like 14 plays. They trimmed the playbook down and they just worked their tail off all week on like those 14 plays until they mastered it. Um, You have to just do something this week to find some type of consistency. Um, But more than anything, just trying to find a way to be able to build off of some of the things you're doing. I will say this, though, from a defensive standpoint, has the defense been fantastic the last couple of weeks? No. And as Marcus mentioned before, because of how explosive Tennessee is, this is this could get really ugly. And the reason being is if the offense can't stay on the field, your defense is going to be absolutely gassed. You have to do everything you can to stay in the field. Um, because if your defense has been shaky the last couple of weeks to begin with, Right. Number one, 
But number two, if your offense can't stay in the field, and like we saw against Florida, you know, it's it's what they did at the beginning of the game, 14-play drive for the Gators, that is. Three for three on third downs, there's no excuse for that. But the quick three and outs, quick three and outs, quick three, not being able to stay in the field really hurt this defense last mm-hmm. week. So if you're not able to get things going against Tennessee, boy, I, this defense is already thin as is, Marcus. I I can't even imagine. And Tennessee wants to send a message because they're on the outside looking into the college football playoff. They have to. They have to come into Williams-Brice and not just beat you, but they have to send a message to that committee saying, hey, we're one of the best four teams in the country. We deserve a seat at the table, even if we don't go to the SEC championship game. And you, I think the 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 most concerning part is that they use the whole 52, 53 yards when, with, with their – like Tennessee's offense spreads you out, and they do it purpose purposefully. I mean that like that they're and and they're moving at a very very high pace, you know. They're one thing I've noticed about Tennessee is that they're well conditioned as an offense. You know, they're able to get in and out of the huddle, line back up real fast. Like it's part of their standard operation. It's a part of the. It's like probably one of the core tenets of the philosophy of the offense is for them to use all 52 and a half yards of that field, spread you out, bring you in, find lanes, line up real quick. I mean, then, then they have some slippery receivers, man. They're just, um, you know, one being from Columbia, you know, how he escaped Columbia. I, heck, I don't, that, I, I don't know. That blew my mind. I had no idea Jalen Hyatt. <laughs> Was from Irma. Are you kidding? That was the Muschamp era. Dutch fork right? at that. That was Muschamp era. Yeah. Quick story about Jalen Hyatt oh because we're getting ready for the press conference. You can hear the people in here. State championship game goes to overtime, and as we know, Muschamp and that coaching staff did not offer Hyatt. Jeremy Pruitt is on the sideline, on the visiting sideline of the state championship game, right? Jeremy Pruitt is closest to the student section, right? The visiting sideline over there. Hyatt scores the game-winning touchdown the opposite end. In that very end zone, on that same sideline, as he walks back with the game-winning touchdown, ball in his hand, there's another coach on the sideline, and that coach was Will Muschamp. So, again, obviously, as Beamer even mentioned yesterday, that coaching staff is not here. Um, they did not not offer Hyatt. Um, but yeah, he definitely got away. And as we've seen right now, right up there with probably what Marvin Harrison Jr., he's the best receiver in the country. And you have to know where he is at all times on the field because he's the type of guy that his football IQ, I call it landmark routes. Marcus probably knows what I'm talking about, those landmark routes. He's good at running his routes, but what he's really good at is finding open space, especially when Hooker's on the move. So you need to do everything, everything to be able to find ways to just know where he is. Kind of like what Marcus was saying before with Elshon. Elshon just had such a high football IQ. He just knew how to get open. Hyatt knows how to get open. Obviously, two different skill sets, but he's very talented if you don't pay attention to him because he will get open. 
I can't believe that just <laughs> that happened. Like that 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 kid. The name the name, the name of the show is mind boggled. Mind boggled. Oh my gosh. He he didn't get offered by South Carolina or Clemson. I mean, so now we got a kid who's one of the best receivers in the country, not just coming into Willie B, but coming into Willie B with like a vendetta, <laughs> a chip on his shoulder. Grew, grew up going to Carolina games. Well, I mean, I ideally, I mean, obviously, yeah, I mean, he probably had different aspirations when he got to high school because, you know, there's there's teams all over the country that, that, I mean, that you see on Saturday, but I mean, he probably wanted to be a Gamecock, you yeah. know, like, so it's just like, I, I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's things like that, that we can't do in the future. And I think yeah. that's what Coach Beamer, I mean, Co- Coach Beamer understands that you have, he says it in every, and- every press conference, you can, you have to, you have to keep the best talent. Yeah. Instead. And I don't, and I don't think it- if Beamer was here in that time, I don't think he escaped South Carolina. I, I'm going to be honest. Beamer is so, this is our state. We are getting the best players in this state. I don't think he leaves this state if Beamer's here. Um, I think that was a different era. So so it's definitely not a hit on, you know, like, oh, why don't we have this guy? It's Honestly, it's just crazy. Like, just looking back on it, like, how is he at Tennessee right now? And he's one of the best players in the country. But that's the way things go. So we'll get really familiar with him. Uh, Mike had to help hop off. Belichick just walked in the room. So, um, but we'll keep it going. And, uh, but yeah, this offense, I mean, 47.4 points per game. Um, which is Jeez. crazy, <laughs> ridiculous. And then you just look at like Hendon Hooker putting up Heisman. He's already got two thousand eight hundred eighty-eight yards this year. Hyatt's got a thousand hundred and sixteen receiving yards. So this this is just a high-powered offense. And what I've noticed throughout this season, we were talking a little defense before, and I agree that the offense not being able to get off the field hurts a lot i mean our defense is gassed they're tired they have to be on the field so much it hurts them a lot but when we come out flat a lot we get run in that first usually that first drive um they run all over us and when i say run i mean literally run we can't stop the run very well um but one thing is they're very good at second half adjustments that's what i've noticed pretty much all year you get through the first half, and it's kind of like, what is this defense? Second half, okay, the defense is playing well now. They always adjust well to the offense at the second half. But, you know, against Tennessee, you're going to need more. We're probably going to need to see, you know, some of those special teams, some of that special teams magic come into play. We're going to have to get – we're going to have to force Hendon Hooker to turn the ball over. Um, and if you can get a crazy play on special teams, a defensive touchdown – you know, you're probably going to have a chance against Tennessee, but you're going to have to make those things happen. It's going to take a perfect game, Nick. Mm-hmm. And when I say perfect, not necessarily mistake-free, but uh, turnover-free. Close. And a few, <laughs> few three-and-outs. Like, I mean, it's it's going to take it's going to take a it's going to take a monumental effort to 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 be in this game but 
you know, I I know Darius Rush and Cam Smith got to be excited about this, you know, about this opportunity that they have to showcase who they are because we have some talent mm-hmm. in the back end of our defense. And and those guys, those guys are just they, they're football players. Um, and I think it's a good ch- I, I think it's a good challenge for them. But also, like, just a, I mean, just a really opportunity to showcase that on on a on a national stage. Like, um, I mean that that's got to be exciting for them. I'm I'm gonna, uh, I'm 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 betting on that at least. Um, yeah. And one one thing is, one thing is so crucial is that we, I mean, at this point, it's looking like Jaheim Bell is gonna. <laughs> Jaheim Bell's going to stay at running back. So we have to find a way to, like, just give him some – just give him a little space. Yeah. Just get, because he can he can get you four – he can get you four yards when oh, you yeah. give him a crease. You know, he didn't really have a lot of opportunity last week to showcase his quickness in between the holes. You know, mm-hmm. there, was, there, was some, there was some situations, you know, where he got out in space and there was – you know, a couple runs where, you know, you see that he is an effective runner of the football. Like, he, he's not a tight end. He's not a receiver. He's not a quarterback. He's not a running back. He's just a he's just a, a, a guy. You put the ball in his hands and something will like something will happen. But we just got to. We got to open up a lane for him mm-hmm. to, to, to give him that to give him that opportunity to show that like because he can be if we if we, if if he needs to be a running back which is somebody that can effective like effectively like just move the chains move the chains move like he can do that he has that mm-hmm. capability but finding a crease um opening up a crease and I, I'm with I it might have been Mike who said this a little bit earlier? I'm with simplifying this thing as much as possible. Oh yeah, that was Mike. Yeah, like finding a way to like just make this thing effective. Like like just give us a get just give us a situation where the where the guys can be effective. Mm-hmm. You know, a situation. I'm I'm speaking of the offensive coordinator. Like put us in situations where things aren't complicated because. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's still Willie B. It's a night game. It's 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 also it's also some well SEC Nation's gonna be in Columbia. It's a night game, it's on ESPN, and it's also a lot of these seniors, it's their last game at Willie B. Mm. Which is like Cam Smith already said, like this is most likely going to be my last game at Willie B. So what you just said about, you know, Cam Smith and Rush, it's even more so. Because, yes, they want to do something on a national stage, and this is the stage to do it. But also, talk about a way to go out. Man. How do you want to go out? Uh, you, you know, I, that's that's an added detail that I, I missed. I mean, yeah, that that's that definitely makes a difference. I mean, yeah. particularly for him. I mean, he's from Columbia, so, heck, he played against <laughs> he played against Jalen Hyatt. Yeah. You know? So it's like, I mean – it, it, it's almost it's almost as if like this, this this is this is the tape that the scouts are going to turn on 
mm-hmm. you know, once the season ends. Like, you, you can almost envision, like, okay, what did he do against one of the best receivers? This is going This is going to affect his draft stock, like, 100%. This is what's yeah. going to be like is can he play at the next level or how – how high of a prospect is he really? I'm sure he's going to play at the next level, but um, this is it. Like that's he's going to guard high. It he's going to. It's one of the m- most, uh, the best offensive teams in the country. Um, they're going to look at this and uh, a lot of these players, if they want a chance of getting signed or you know being a pick in the draft, this is going to mean a lot. But um, also, it's just going to mean a lot to the team, to the city, if they can pull something off. But like we said, it's gonna it's gonna have to be really close to a perfect perfect game if they want to win. Um, and that's just that's just how good Tennessee is. Um, also, you know they haven't been playing the best. I totally agree with simplifying the playbook. I mean, I've even seen it. We've seen it work in the NFL. Like we said with Jeff Saturday. I'm I'm also I'm a Broncos fan, so. A few weeks ago, I remember I was watching the Broncos. Obviously, they're not having a great season. Um, but uh, I uh, was watching them, and they simplified their playbook. And once they did that, Russ was able to actually move the ball, and they were doing really well at moving the ball. They still are awful at it in the red zone, so that doesn't help. But simplifying the playbook can work, and I think it's it would be a smart move for them um, just because there's obviously – problems and i know i know we talked we're talking about tennessee now but just to kind of go back to the florida game to talk to marcus about that game just as fans oh my gosh how frustrating how frustrating to go into that i know it's the swamp and you've played in the swamp so i i uh, all respect there to how tough that environment is to play in um but thirty-eight to six wasn't what I expected. <laughs> Not at all. Um, particularly given the fact that you know Florida, Florida hasn't been that impressive. Now, don't get me wrong. Florida, because the talent is so rich in the state, they they will always no no matter if what their record looks like, they will always have a championship level talent level of talent on their team now like make no mistake by that a a couple uh, two more years of anthony richardson and i mean he's i mean heck you you get him molded and sculpted up i mean he's he'll be one of the best quarterbacks in the country there's no fact there's no doubt about that etn at running back uh that defensive line has always always been dominant. It doesn't matter what year you go to shoot, ever since the shoot, ever, ever since the in, the inception of football at Florida, they've been dominant. You know, so I mean, it's just like F- Florida is going to be Florida. However, they're building a new culture with a new coach. It was surprising to see us um, get not, not necessarily get out physical, like I feel like they have more talent, you know, if I'm just looking across the board, but, you know, for us not to be able to, like, move it, like, do anything, like, we, we, mm-hmm. we, couldn't, we couldn't do anything. No. That, that was shocking. Um, I just didn't, I, I didn't expect 
that to be that flat, especially after we had that we because like you have that one game, you know, it happens unless you're a championship undefeated team. There's at least one game where you just don't play well. Most likely just the odds are there. I thought that was Missouri. I thought Missouri was a game we 100% should have won. We came in flat at home and just blew it. And, you know, we it was a bad game. It was a bad game, and they happened. I just was expecting, you know, after that experience, they would, you know, learn from that. And so now you see Florida, and they want to come out and, uh, you know, play hard and win that game. And I'm not saying they're not, they're not playing hard or anything. I know this team, that's one of the best things about them is they always go 110%. But just to be that flat after that's already happened, you know, it just was such a, it was such a deflating thing. You know, you really noticed it on social media after everyone, you know, questioning, obviously the fire Satterfield stuff got even more, but questioning Beamer, (laughs) his, what his, his statements and press conferences and stuff like that. So, you know, it just, it just wasn't, wasn't great. (laughs) But um, like I said, we have a tendency to win games and then drop them, which means we just had a bad game. So now we're going into Tennessee looking for a good game. And um, hopefully that can happen. We definitely need to see the O-line, like Marcus has talked about, the O-line's got to improve um, just from week. And we've seen them play solid. There's not the, – this O-line, Marcus, definitely isn't like – a lost cause. We've seen them play pretty good. We've seen Marshawn Lloyd run for over a hundred yards and multiple touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's happened, and that's the only thing that needs to happen on Saturday. You know, like if if there's one thing at the top of my list, it's all it's for them to congeal, come back again play as a unit, move people off the ball. Like, just it, if, we, if we can do that, I mean, that that keeps us in the game. And, heck, I, mean, I, I know that nobody goes out there, again, wanting to make a mistake or, you know, it, it's, not, it's not their plan to be in a situation where they're on their heels. But, I mean, this is – this is why you came to South Carolina to, I mean, to play against the best, you know, to play against the best in the country. And you got that opportunity on, on Saturday, you know, to showcase who you are and less, you know, I think, you know, more than anything, this game, regardless if we win or lose, you know, how we play, like the 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 level of play that 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 it it, it kind of will show it will be the telltale story of our season because you know it it's been up it's been down it's been up it's been down can we is this the mark of coach beamer's uh of coach beamer teams like are we able to bounce back mm-hmm. like i mean that can can we do it again can we bounce back again uh, I think I mean that's the mark of that's the mark of teams that have 
you know, continued success um, as the as the program develops. Like, mm-hmm. if you're able to bounce back after losses, if if you're able mm-hmm. to keep going, keep in there. Like, you don't get down, you don't get frustrated uh, because that, like, it's it's not a lost cause. Like, the sink, mm-hmm. the, the the ship hasn't sunk. Can we bounce back? That, and I think. Nick, I mean, from what I've seen from the the energy that I feel from the team, you know, like just psychologically, it feels like we we become mo- more motivated when people are talking shit and we are our backs are against the wall. Yeah, I'd agree with that because when we were singing the praises and they were ranked 25, that obviously didn't work. So uh, <laughs> the motivation factor, I, I think it works way better on this team. When they, you know, they lose that drop, everyone's like, this team sucks. Because like I said, after Florida, after Missouri, it got pretty bleak. But after Florida and Mike's actually back with us, joined again. Um, after Florida, you saw on Twitter, Mike definitely saw, um, just the negativity it immediately goes to the season's lost cause. And a big reason for that is we're six and four and we have Tennessee and Clemson to finish the year. So people are like, why? Like, who cares about the last two games? We're six and six. And by the way, these last two games also matter because the season over for the Gamecocks was six and a half. If they win, they get the over. If they lose, they don't. So these matter. <laughs> All right, Al Michaels Jr. over here, letting everyone know that there's something on the line here still. Uh, from a gambling standpoint. And what are you talking about, Nick? It's always sunshine and rainbow, especially over at Gamecock Central on the message board. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no such thing as negativity. Our subscribers, they're always happy. It's always a beautiful day, unlike the weather right here in Foxborough, Massachusetts, where it's just absolutely gross, and that's why I'm underneath this little tunnel. But one thing I did want to ask Marcus, because I've been connecting dots over the last couple weeks, and, again, this isn't to say that we agree with it, but we try to make sense of things. That's what I always say. We try to make sense, Marcus. <laughs> Over the last couple of weeks, we've seen Jaheim Bell play more running back, right? We started at the beginning of the year, but we've seen it over the last couple of weeks. And I know there's a lot of people that are frustrated. And I say people. I'm talking about people on the outside, some fans, the boosters, because you have some other talented running backs, right? Christian Bale Smith was banged up. Okay, so you have Juju. We know what Juju's able to do, and that's not to say that he can't be a guy that gets more carries, but maybe they don't view him as a true number one. Okay, you have Rashad Amos. Here's some other guys on that list. But I kept going back to something that Beamer mentioned to me, mentioned to uh, the media, that is. And I kept thinking about something that you said months ago about playing the running back position. Beamer mentioned that, the job that Bell has done from a blocking standpoint at running back, picking up angles and just how difficult that is alone, but playing receiver, playing tight end, and then being able to do that, that's not easy. That should not be overlooked. And I kept thinking about something you said back in the spring when trying to find ways to separate yourself from the rest of the pack at running back. And one thing that you brought up is, If you want to stay on the field as a running back, if you can prove that you can block consistently, it's going to be difficult. And I'm paraphrasing. It's going to be difficult for them to take you off the field. Could that be the reason why we're seeing Bell out there at running back maybe a little bit more? Because 
again, I'm trying to connect dots here. When Beamer says that he's been very pleased with the job that Bell has done from a blocking standpoint, is that maybe one of the reasons why we're seeing him? I'm not saying that's the that's what they should be doing to use him, but to try to make sense for people on the outside because I think they see it and it's just like, oh, they're trying to get him the ball. They are, but we also see him plenty of times where he's back there and he's blocking and he's not getting the ball. And some fans get upset because they're saying, why aren't they getting him the ball? Well, maybe they feel like he's one of the better blockers they have at running back when Christian Bale Smith is out, when Marshawn Lloyd's out. No, Mike. I think Coach Beamer is. I think Coach Beamer is a chess player. You know, I mean, I mean, it's a good excuse to validate his decision on putting <laughs> on putting Bell at running back. Um, I bet, I bet Coach Beamer is is really good at chess. Um, I'll say this. I see it as a trust thing. They trust him to protect the ball. I see it as he may be the most effective runner out of the group, uh, given they have Rashad Amos, given they have Juju. Uh, You know, there was a run against Florida where he was in between the tackles, and you saw his the fluidity in his hips. You saw his footwork. You saw that he moves his feet on contact. That's when he had a crease. When he has a crease, he can get you four yards. I mean, he, I mean, like I'm like a small crease. He can get you four to five yards consistently simply because he's moving his feet and his feet are so quick to be that big. I mean, I, you just don't see guys like Derrick Henry has, amazing speed like you get him in open field there's nobody catching Derrick Henry but in in between the tackles his feet aren't as effective as Jaheim Bell and I'm using that 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 parallel because they kind of because of their stature like their stature Derrick Henry Jaheim Bell they remind they remind me uh of each other but I mean Jaheim is I mean he's just a I mean, Nick Nick and I were just talking about he he's not a receiver, running back, quarterback. He's whatever you need him to be because he loves football. Um, but yeah, I I mean, there's been situations where I've seen Jaheim Bell, you know, take but because his because he's a football player and he understands the the whole concept of of blocking and the 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 pass. Combat, like like the route combinations and the run game because he understands that yeah he's gonna be a great blocker but I don't I don't think that's the reason he's at running back at all because because he's a good blocker I think just because <laughs> he can get you four and a half yards uh when you need four and a half yards and, and he he has good he has pretty good vision in my opinion um yeah, Coach, Coach, Coach Beamer, he's he's slick, man. And I bring that up, and Nick, I want you to weigh in on this because I'm setting it up, okay? Because this has been something we've seen a lot on Gamecock Central. I've seen on social media the last couple of days. I bring that up, Marcus and Nick, because Rashad took to Twitter the other day. It was on the 13th. Hope tweeted a fan. I'm assuming it was a fan. 
And, you know, they said, you know, Amos has been here for years and we insist on playing a tight end at running back. I've been thinking about that since the game started. I love Bell and all, but it's kind of a slap in the face to the running backs that have been here. And he quote tweeted that, which we've seen some interactions on social media from players before, family members as well this season. And all he wrote was, imagine, dot, dot. So I bring that up because, Nick, Marcus, is this something that we have to worry about, about in that running back room in particular, right? You could say any position. But for the sake of the conversation, is this something that you sh- we should be worried about? I mean, we know about the transfer portal. We understand things are growing with that. And look, it's every school is going to have a guy transfer out once in a while, even the schools that are playing, um, that are going 12 and 0 in the regular season. You know, guys are going to feel like they deserve more points. I understand that. But is this something that we should worry about? at South Carolina. And if you are running back in that room and you're seeing Bell out there, are you taking that upon yourself as, okay, hey, I got to do a better job? Or is that more of a slap in your in your face? Do you want to go first, Marcus? I'd rather you go first. I want to comment on players tweeting at fans. Uh, it's just this simple. That's corrosive to a culture. Players interacting with fans, expressing their emotions for the world to see, for their teammates to see, for the coaches to see. Mm. It, it's it, it it it's not the way to handle how you feel. Um, if you're a lot more emotionally mature, which I wasn't at that age. Um, so I can't talk, but you go to the coach. You you ask, what can I do? But also, th- this is a team game. And, you know, that's the thing I, I, I don't I, I despise about social media is because it's it's given this this um this entitlement to, to it, it, it gives this entitlement to, to, to people, to, to, to just people. And it, I don't know, it, it just, it can infect, like it, it can infect the locker room so quickly because everybody saw that. Everybody on the team saw that. And now there's this looming, uh, frustration that that's like swirling in the building, and and, and it's just not good. Uh, you just got to find a different way to handle that. I get. I mean, I, I do. I understand this frustration. Yeah, I mean, you came there to play running back. You should be frustrated. You should be pissed off. But at the end of the day, who's the better option at running back? And that's not a slap to him. That that's just it's just the reality of the situation. I. I in my coach Hardesty, Coach Beamer thinks that Bell is the best is the best decision. Um, that's yeah that 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 has to be addressed. Uh, <laughs> that has to be addressed as soon as possible. You know, 
And, and, and you know, Bell, Bell did the same thing. You know, I mean, that's, you know, you put your, when you, once you put your voice out there. Um, and I'll say this, Marcus, just to cut you off, just yeah. to make sure we're all on the same page. Bell has been pretty good about social media this year. I mean, I may have missed something. So Nick cut me off, Marcus. I know his mother put some stuff out. Family members have expressed. I If, if there is something that Jaheim put out, I may have missed it. Um, I just want to make sure that we're clarifying that, that it's been more so Bell's family than anything else, but it's an extension of right. Girlfriends, family. Um, I mean, I'm not in the same ballpark, but my loved ones, I've had to tell them, Hey, look, there's going to be morons that will say stuff about me. Marcus, I'm sure you've had to deal with this. Don't, and you have to give them like like a talk. Do not respond back. Please do not respond back because anything you say, I'm gonna have to deal with it. You're attached. You're you're attached to it. Yeah. And Jaheem, yeah. and Jaheem, I mean, he said something in a press conference, but it wasn't even bad. It was just like, yeah, I'm frustrated. Like he he expressed his emotions, but he did it in a in a good way. And um, I agree with the Twitter thing. That's just not a good, not a smart thing. But like you said, everyone, you know, players are young and social media. Growing up in this age of social media. Um, it's a it's a challenge, Nick. It is, and, and I get it. I mean, so you know, I I retract. Um, if I if I uh if I said something that Bell, you know, I I probably that was probably just me assuming that he said something. So yeah, that that's probably not true. But I mean, just social media in general. Um, yeah, no, it's I mean it's a big distraction. If I had the choice, I wish I didn't grow up in a time where social media was so relevant. It's just it's it's. Like it, it can corrode a culture when you're talking sports. I mean, it just gives people a platform to say dumb things sometimes, and uh, so I think that that was that's a problem right there. But at the same time, I'm I'm glad I agree with Marcus. Um, but um, who's the best option? Probably Jaheim Bell. <laughs> like, I'm sorry to say it, but. I mean, if if Lloyd was still there, if Lloyd was still healthy right now, if Beale Smith was still healthy right now, what's the difference? I mean, they'd be playing. Bell is the best option at running back. And yes, as a competitor, you should be annoyed. You should be doing everything you can to get on that field. Um, and that is frustrating too, because you know, like we've talked about a lot, coaches make decisions. And, you know, if the coaches want to run Jaheim Bell, that's what they're going to do. So that that's just a frustrating situation overall. Um, I think I agree with Marcus. You handle that the mature way to handle that. And you can, you learn that. So I, I learned it, you know, in high school, but you learn it at different times. And that's just going to, to a coach or your boss or whatever it may be. And you man-to-man or man-to-woman one-on-one, you have that conversation. Um, and I think that's just the better way to to deal with that. But um, yeah, I mean, I just think Jaheim Bell is the best option at running back, and that's why he's playing. So it's just it's a cut and dry reason, in my opinion. And it's no secret that in the media, our job is to well, obviously follow the team, and when you follow the team, stuff that appears on social media is part of it. It's not even necessarily the media members. 
You know, there's certain stuff that we'll see. It's just like it's not even worth, you know, running a story on. Right. Like I saw that. It's like, all right, he's just frustrated. Something to keep an eye on. But it's the other ham and eggers out there, whether it be in the fan base, whether it be, you know, whoever. Right. That will make those things a bigger deal than they are. Just like we saw with the find some joy and how that kind of blew up into something where it's like Beamer really had to go out there and explain that like he's not taking a shot at the fan base. Like that's that's yeah. the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. There's gonna be people that are are gonna run with stuff. Um <laughs> and as as someone that uses social media so much for work, um and it's probably the the dumbest award that I've won is the best local tweeter. I can only imagine how much more of my life I could have accomplished if I wasn't on this freaking app. You're a pro. Uh, You're no, a pro. but that's the, but the <laughs> point being is even I am just like, man, if I was just away from Twitter, maybe I would actually learn a new language or learn how to play the piano. You know, oh, I don't okay. freaking know. Um, but no, I, I bring all that up because I think the challenging park and Marcus brought it up. And Nick, you said you, it's like a lot of these kids, they come here and some of them, understand the spotlight that they're going to be in but i think a lot of them don't understand i think a yeah. lot of them don't like everything you do is under a magnifying glass like this is south carolina's protein and i can mm -hmm. confidently say that now from being up in a pro market it's just like that is their protein so everything you do everything you do is going to be magnified times a hundred and when things are going rough, it's going to be even bigger. Mm -hmm. And I think the challenging part is it's like, you know, covering the Patriots. A lot of those guys, Kevin Harris has kind of talked to me about it before. It's like, you know, you got to be careful with what you say and do around here. And I think you learn that from the veteran guys. He understands that, but he's in his 20s. When you're coming in 17, 18, 19 years old, sometimes we're not going to, you know that, but it's kind of like you learn. Yeah, As time goes on, you know. Well, but, um, Mike, I was gonna say the thing is when a lot of these young kids get there, sometimes you think of a tweet and it's like that's not that bad. Like, oh, that that would be something I could say. I can tweet. It's a, expressing myself, but it's not the tweet always that was like the bad thing. Like you didn't say a bad thing or anything like that. It's the people who are gonna add on to it. Because you are you are under a you are under the spotlight, and they don't really fully realize that's that. the issue. And you then give them oxygen. it blows up, yes. and all of a sudden, you give a the, little tweet yep. they thought of that was harmless and totally you know may have been maybe they shouldn't have said it, but it wasn't overall bad. Is now blown up because everyone saw it, and now the fans are getting involved, and they have opinions in there, and it's quote tweeted everywhere, and. You're just like, well, and like that's, that's just how Twitter a tiny flame that like just mm -hmm. like just starts Bingo. to spread. And then it's and then it spreads and then it spreads into your team and then it spreads into your coaches and then it spreads into the fan base. And it's like man, and then eventually there's not one person in Columbia who probably hasn't seen it. <laughs> right. It's it's all over. That's the thing. It, but you know, it's you you learn. You learn from it. I mean, I, I, he's probably he's probably seen like the power that he possesses now, mm -hmm. and it's like, you know, it it could have 
you can you can use that power. You can use that power for a lot of different, you know, like Mike does. I mean, you you use that power for a force that is that is that is good and and it's not divisive. Sometimes. You know, sometimes we try to do good sometimes, you know, (laughs) but, you know, it's like once that division starts to happen, it's I mean, yeah, like it's and that's and that's and that's the difference. It's like it's not even about how many followers you have when you're on a platform, because, Marcus, I mean, I think back to an interview you and I did almost almost five years ago. It's crazy to think this. We were sitting in your living room when you announced that you were going back to work at USC about making sure that you use football and you don't let football use you because they're on this platform now where it doesn't matter if they have, you know, thousand followers or whatever, because you are an extension of the team, you have more eyeballs on you than you really realize at any given time. Um, Bringing it back now to football and finishing this thing off guys, just final thoughts, final thoughts on this game. Again, we know, how difficult it's going to be over these next two weeks, but you're playing Tennessee, a team that isn't going to give you um, anything because because they're trying to send a message this week. What is your just final thoughts, knowing that um, not a lot of people are going to give them an opportunity to or, or a shot um, in their mind to be able to win this game? You are a heavy underdog, and a lot of people think this game is going to be a blowout. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll start it off really quick, but um, me and Marcus talked about it. This game has to be near perfect. Gonna have to cause a turnover. Gotta get an interception. Um, throw Hooker off his game, and probably a crazy play on special teams again. That I mean, they do those all the time, apparently. But you know, you're gonna need to see that too. Um. And then we also, Marcus and I also talked about, this is Cam Smith's last game in Willie B. There's a lot of other players who it could be their last Making game in Willie Making me feel old. Like I was <laughs> covering him at Westwood just yesterday. <laughs> it's their last game at Willie B. So that's, that's, that's a powerful thing. That's a huge impact. And um, so, yeah, they're going to have to use that and bounce back from a bad game against Florida. Um, but, you know, no one's expecting them to win, so why not? Why not? Go out and shock everyone. So, yeah, they just got to play. They, they got to play a near perfect game. Agreed, Nick. Um, give give Bell some creases. Find a way to give Jaheim Bell, Juju McDowell, some creases, and be the team that you've been all season, bouncing back, bouncing back. When adversity hits, I bounce back. When adversity hits, like just keep coming back. Like that—that's been the story of Coach Beamer, Coach Beamer's team this season. Uh, they've been able to regroup, uh, not sink, but but rise to the occasion when, when it uh, after after disappointment. After disappointment, they they always rise back up. No matter how long it takes, they always rise back up. Um, that's my take for this week, Mike. I mean, it's gotta, gotta find a way to give him a crease so he can get four to five yards. Um, my take is the offense needs to find a way to stay on the field. It's not just about scoring and keeping up. 
but it's being able to stay in the field to help out your defense. Uh, one last thing I want to add, though, before we wrap things up today, um, you know, thoughts and prayers out to the Virginia football program. Um, three lives that were lost. Um, another player that's in critical condition. But also want to extend our thoughts and prayers to the Woodland High School community um, here in South Carolina with the loss of Lavelle Davis Jr. Yeah, I'm sure we have some Gamecock fans in that community. Um, obviously, extension to all those involved, but especially here in our own backyard, where I'm sure there's some Gamecock fans at Woodland High School. So just want to let you guys know that we're thinking about you and. Um, praying for you and i think we'll leave it at that note nick marcus appreciate you guys enjoy the game this saturday night enjoy it last game williams bryce this season believe it or not already done just like that appreciate you guys listening to believe in south carolina we'll do it again next week Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.